Listener Production. Hello, Tom Tilly with you for the briefing, joined by Antoinette Latouf. And Antoinette, a really interesting briefing today about Alex Jones, the conspiracy mm. theorist, and that huge damages bill he got in that Connecticut court last week of one billion US dollars. Yes, Tom. So that Connecticut court ordered Jones to pay up in a really big, historically big way. But he's now claiming bankruptcy and there are fears the families won't actually receive the compensation they deserve. So I caught up with New York Times journal Elizabeth Williamson and she's been following the case closely. She's also written a book about the Sandy Hooks shooting. It was a stunning verdict and quite a crippling judgment. If they were able to collect even a portion of this, this would spell the end of Alex Jones' InfoWars business. Yeah, so interesting. I actually interviewed her about the similar case uh, in Texas in August, but the damages bill from that case was 50 million US, so this one's Mm. way bigger. So looking forward to hearing more about that in our briefing. Um, First, here are today's headlines. It's Wednesday, October 19th. There are new flood warnings for the East Coast as another big weather system heads for already sodden regions. We do have a low pressure system forecast for the next couple of days and then another one's also predicted for this weekend. So we've we've got more rain coming and because our rivers are so full and catchments are so full, um, it floods really quickly. Oh, it's such heavy news. So that's Andrea Cantel from the SES. So there's flood warnings in place across four states at the moment, New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland and South Australia, and thousands of people living in the New South Wales Victorian border towns of Echuca, Moama, are already bracing for a second flood in a week as the rivers there peak. It's a bit of a scary time for everybody. You can't hold bad luck, really. You just grin and bear it. Local speaking to nine there. More than 700 flood rescues have been made since the disaster began, and and so far around 15,000 people have been displaced. And this is a kind of an interesting development, an interesting timing, Tom, because the Bureau of Meteorology has come out and they've asked people to stop calling them bomb. Uh, They issued a statement saying they want to be referred to by their full name in the first instance and then the Bureau thereafter. Mm. Communications consultant was involved. Tens of thousands of dollars were involved. What do you make of it? Yeah, well, look, it does seem kind of trivial given people are sandbagging their houses and, and being flooded to sort of worry about, you know, the name of the Bureau that predicts the weather and I guess often gets it wrong. So, look, I think the Bureau doesn't quite work because it it sounds like you could be talking about the FBI, you know. I mean, I I know they Mm -hmm. want you to say the full name first and then the the Bureau after that. But I think given the way it's been handled, Aussies will probably stick with what they know as an act of defiance and keep calling it the bomb. Look, everybody knows who bomb is. We know it's a Bureau of Meteorology. I'm not sure what saying the full, mouthy, sometimes confusing name, as you say, Bureau, I'm not sure what that changes. There's been closing submissions in the Bruce Learman trial, which is expected to finish by the end of the week. So the prosecutor, Shane Drumgold, has argued that Brittany Higgins' evidence is credible, describing her as a young woman doing her best to genuinely recount some very traumatic events that occurred to her. So he noted she told nine different people about the alleged incident in the days afterwards, 
but there were clear political influences on Higgins' decision to follow through with a police complaint. While Learman's lawyer, Steve Wybrow, has told the court Higgins doesn't know what happened that night, telling the jury they can't be satisfied beyond reasonable doubt that she was sexually assaulted. Yes, so the defence lawyer also said that her evidence is totally and utterly inconsistent uh, and the defence will continue giving its final submissions later today. Um, Bruce Learman has pleaded not guilty to sexually assaulting former Liberal staffer Brittany Higgins at Parliament House more than three years ago. So they'll finish those closing submissions and then the jury will consider their verdict. Israel has summoned Australia's ambassador over the federal government's decision to no longer recognise West Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. The Israeli government has called the decision short-sighted and deeply disappointing. Yeah, so this is a story um, you mentioned in the headlines yesterday. Now, 24 hours later, we're getting the backlash from the Israeli community and some of their leaders. So Australia was one of the few countries to recognise West Jerusalem as the Israeli capital back in 2018. Our decision came after the Trump administration did the same thing. The 2018 decision put Australia out of step with the majority of the international community uh, and uh, was received with great concern by uh, you know, members of the international community and I think it is a matter of public record that ex- uh, concerns were expressed by Indonesia amongst others. Foreign Minister Penny Wong there. Look Tom, not that much changes with Penny Wong's announcement but it is it is symbolic because at the time when um, Scott Morrison's government made the decision Australia was diverging from a sort of international consensus and now we're simply coming back to it and the status of Jerusalem is one of those one of those biggest like a really big sticking point in an attempt to reach a peace deal between Israel and Palestine. And the move is bringing the Israeli-Palestinian issue into the spotlight because it's making you know headlines around the globe. I don't see it as um, unexpected. They had said they were going to do it. They did it. They've rejoined most countries around the world. I don't know, Antoinette. I don't think um, big supporters of Israel will see this as a as a small matter. This is a big deal to them. Part of the problem here was actually the way it was handled by the Australian government. So this was a long-held position by um, Labor, but it hadn't come up as an issue heading into the election. So the change on the DFAT website on Monday sort of came out of the blue, and it's turned out it was a bureaucrat who did that and was out ahead of the Labor government. Their cabinet hadn't signed off on this yet, but once that change happened, they quickly made that decision in cabinet and then Penny Wong's been out defending it Um, and it so Mm -hmm. happened that it was a a holy day in Israel meaning the embassy here was closed so Mm. that's what's bloody bureaucrats yeah they stuff everything up yeah that's right it already would have been a difficult decision anyway but this Mm -hmm. has made it you know even more tense Look, I think it is important to note that even with the Morrison government's decision, Australia's embassy stayed in Tel Aviv the whole time. Um, so that's why it really is a more, you know, symbolic gesture that doesn't change, as, from my perspective, a, few, a huge amount. But when it's rolled out poorly and insensitively, it's going to make a, a very fragile situation even worse. And guess who is coming down under in 2024? The New South Wales Parliament released a statement overnight referring to a much-anticipated royal tour in 2024. Yeah, so this appears to be the first official confirmation of a royal visit. We don't know if we'll get King Charles and Queen Consort Camilla on their own 
or whether we'll be getting William and Kate instead or the whole family. Well, the visit will be to celebrate two centuries of democracy in Australia. I don't know, Tom, I wonder by then, do you reckon we'll be chatting about um, a referendum to become a republic? No, I think this visit will um, probably be quite well received and I think we'll just keep pushing back the republic agenda. I just don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I think when the Albanese government came to power and they appointed a an assistant minister for the Republic, there was a sense they might try and move on it soon, but all the fanfare and the huge emotional outpouring for the death of the mm. Queen, King Charles handling himself pretty well so far, um, we're going to have a coronation. I think the support for the royals is going to stay strong for quite some time. What do you think? Oh, look, I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Republican, so I'm, you know, perhaps a little influenced by my own views. Maybe, as you say, yes, so far Prince Charles has handled himself reasonably well. Maybe we need um, him to stuff up a little more before sentiment changes, irrespective of where people sat um, in their views on the British Empire. There was an you know, enormous amount of grief and love for the Queen, um, and so I reckon that's going to stick around for a little while longer. We'll catch you later, Tom. In a moment, we get the latest on Alex Jones. Will the families see any of the money? And crucially, will it deter others from trying to profit from lies? So if you're wondering why, a decade after it took place, the Sandy Hooks Elementary School shooting is all over the news again, well, this time the developments are welcome news for families impacted by the tragedy. It's because an American conspiracy theorist and right-wing host called Alex Jones, well, he's been ordered by a Connecticut court to pay more than $1.5 billion to eight families in compensation. And that's because he spent years claiming the massacre where 20 students and six teachers died was staged and that it was part of some government plot to take away Americans' guns. Also, that the grieving parents were actors and that it never actually happened. This led to his many followers harassing and threatening the families, in some cases even urinating on children's graves. Elizabeth Williamson is a New York Times journalist and author of Sandy Hook, An American Tragedy and the Battle for Truth. We caught up with her in August after another lawsuit in Texas also resulted in a ruling against Jones, awarding those families around $70 million in damages. Elizabeth, thanks for joining us. I'm keen to just quickly get an update there. Uh, a couple of months have passed. What's the process been like and have the families seen any of that money? No, they haven't yet, Antoinette. They are still waiting. Um, Alex Jones, in the middle of that trial, declared bankruptcy. So the trial continued. Normally, that would halt the trial where it was. But by agreement between the family's lawyers and Alex Jones's legal team, they did continue with the trial. The jury delivered a verdict of $50 million in punitive and compensatory damages. That amount is likely capped at far less by Texas law. So they'll probably collect just a fraction of that. But that hasn't begun yet because the bankruptcy really complicates things. And so the families uh, quite separately are pursuing a lawsuit saying that Jones, you know, illegally siphoned money out of the business to prevent them from collecting mm. any verdicts. 
And so this time he's been ordered to pay almost a billion US dollars, which is around 1.5 billion over here. Is this a historic ruling in the US in this type of civil lawsuit? It is absolutely. It was a stunning verdict and quite a crippling judgment. If they were able to collect even a portion of this, this would spell the end of Alex Jones' Infowars business. I want to get to the logistics and the probability of any of that money actually landing in the pockets of these families. Um, But firstly, I want to explore the sort of impact peddling those lies have had on families. What did the court hear this time around? So they heard day after day of very painful testimony in which the families described death threats, rape threats, stalking, people confronting them on the street people disrupting memorial events planned in honor of their lost loved ones, receiving emails and letters at their homes so they knew that whoever the sender was knew exactly where they lived with their family, people saying that they had desecrated the dead children's graves and that they wanted to dig them up and prove that they hadn't actually died. So it was really searing testimony and very difficult on the families. Their recollections of this kind of abuse just alone was difficult for them and very painful. So it was quite something. And you could see this register on the faces of the jurors as well. You know, they were um, frowning. Some of them were crying from time to time. I mean, it was really pretty grueling and difficult testimony. So these are obviously civil lawsuits. Are there any chances of criminal suits and jail time? Because, you know, from from an Australian perspective, uh, we see article after article and doco after doco uh, detailing how you can be imprisoned for much less in the United States, particularly if you're someone, say, perhaps a young black man. What is getting in the way of jail time? Well, because these are civil suits, um, the penalty is a financial one. Um, But there is one other ripple in this. And that is that Alex Jones, because as I mentioned, he has declared bankruptcy as these damages trials moved forward. If he is found to be fraudulently transferring his assets so as to escape any kind of debts that, you know, and these would be debts, these financial verdicts, that could put him into the criminal realm. That hasn't been adjudicated yet. It will take a very long time for those suits and that particular fraudulent transfer suit to make its way through the courts. But that would carry with it the potential for uh, a criminal proceeding. Some legal experts have said, despite claiming bankruptcy and even on his radio show saying, I don't have that sort of money, that there is the potential to seize assets that he has transferred into his wife's name. What can you tell us about that? Well, in the Texas trial um, earlier this year in August, a forensic economist testified that at the outside, Alex Jones and his business are worth $300 million all in. Obviously, that's just a fraction of these verdicts that we've just seen. So the possibility that they will collect the full amount is fairly remote, but there's also a possibility that he would continue in business and just start to pay off these debts as he continues to sell merchandise and collect donations. And that would be essentially garnished by the families. That's one possibility. There's also the possibility that an investment group or a hedge fund would actually buy 
the sort of debt that he owes the families, pay them up front a fraction of what the judgment actually is. And then that group would go after him and try and identify, sort of go on an Mm -hmm. asset chase and try and find, you know, this money wherever he may have put it. It is important to note that he is um, appealing the latest verdict, despite the fact that he has previously acknowledged that the attack was 100% real. But is the damage already done? Because one family member has said, and I'm going to quote, hate lies and conspiracy theories will follow both me and my family through the rest of our days. Yes, that's absolutely true. I think that the abuse has subsided somewhat. And if it has, that is because Lenny Posner, whose son Noah Posner is the youngest Sandy Hook victim, has made it his life's work to go after the people spreading this material, not limited to Alex Jones, but other people who have come up with these lies about Sandy Hook and spread them online and on social media. Some of this has subsided, but yes, this carries with it the taint that the families will never really fully live down the views of an extreme group in this country who have said that this didn't happen and that they were complicit in their own loved ones' deaths. The more enduring thing is the fact that now 20% of Americans believe that all high-profile mass shootings are false flags, are staged by the government in service of gun control. And that is the more lasting damage because when this happened a decade ago, it was pretty rare to have you know people believe this type of conspiracy theory, but now it's much more commonplace. And that really does point to the sort of erosion in our online discourse that the families wanted to call attention to with these lawsuits. And to your point, it's easy to revel in Alex Jones being punished, but there is a a certain short-sightedness in that celebration because I think the real question remains, like, will these verdicts likely do much to curb disinformation and halt others like him? Yeah, I think that it does send a message that for the next would-be Alex Jones that Spreading these types of lies about vulnerable people like this carries with it potentially crippling consequences. So I like to think that this would discourage the next person who wants to, you know, sell, just enter what, you know, I've been calling the lies for profit business, you know, where you're selling merchandise adjacent to broadcasts of these types of lies. But I think that the profit motive here is so enormous. Alex Jones makes Mm. upwards of $50 million a year in revenues. So there's always the temptation for the next person to come along. These are really enormous profits. And you've seen a lot of individuals make money this way. So, you know, if anything, the families with these lawsuits are pointing to the dangers of this, but they're not necessarily saying that this is going to go away. Elizabeth Williamson, New York Times journo and author of Sandy Hook, An American Tragedy and the Battle for Truth. So many tragedies rolled up in one. Obviously, the first is the loss of innocent lives at Sandy Hook Elementary. And then the pain and harm caused by Alex Jones and his followers is another perhaps ongoing tragedy. And now the big one is the way disinformation and misinformation works. Once it's out there, no amount of retraction or concessions, even from career liars like Alex Jones, will change anything. 
It's why pre-bunking has become more and more important. And, and, and that's a process where you teach people how to debunk lies, tactics and sources before they actually strike. So policymakers need to focus on prevention rather than trying to play catch up with misinformation. Because once it's gone viral, the damage is irreparable. And yes, some of these families may get the payout. Obviously, their loved ones are never coming back. But the narrative, the destructive narrative that is a lie is out there and it's pretty much impossible to undo. Listener.